So the scripture today is Matthew 12, 22 to 32. Then they brought to him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and he cured him, so that the one who had made him mute could speak and see. All the crowds were amazed and were saying, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons, that this man casts out the demons. He knew what they were thinking and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? If I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your own exorcists cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges." But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man? Then indeed the house can be plundered. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I tell you, people will be given for every sin and blasphemy, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. This is an interesting passage, and I want to get uh, right to it and, and, and start talking about it and tear it apart and all that kind of stuff there. Uh, this is a time when Jesus is... Um, uh, with some people. He, he's been with some people. The story's continued. You'll, you'll notice that the scripture, when it starts out, it actually starts out, then they did this. So it's a good reminder that every time that we take a little piece of, of scripture, we're talking about a bigger story. There's a lot going on. So the Bible truly is not a book to be read just a little bit and a little bit and, a, and make a, a scripture thing and just put it on a thing and, and use it all this kind of stuff. The Bible is meant to be read as these huge stories, the bigger picture of the whole thing. Oftentimes we try to take like little scripture bits and we, we try to throw it at people to win an argument or, to, or even to cast somebody out. And the Bible's not about that. It's about context. It's about history. So that's why sometimes when uh, the scripture starts out with, and then this happened, I want to leave that in. So it just reminds us that there was stuff before this. Also reminds you that you can watch the sermon online there too, that you, if you haven't, if you've missed it there, you know, so that's a good thing to do. In this particular time, Jesus is healing somebody uh, that is uh, reported mute. They, they say that he has a, a demon. Now, the demon was used pretty loosely at this time. It was uh, a, a catch-all for things that were, were wrong with people because they had the mentality that if something was wrong with you, a lot of times people uh, would think that you had done something wrong to, to God, uh, that you were, uh, had made God angry and you're being punished, or that you have a, a demon inside of you. And that could be anything from a, a skin ailment. It could be a, a mute. It could be uh, blind. It could be uh, e even something like um, depression, uh, anxiety. I mean, truly, a lot of the, the demons that Jesus is casting out are a lot of emotional things that we often uh, worry about today, too. And Jesus is, uh, by eliminating that piece, 
He is welcoming that person. He's saying, this is a thing that gets in your way, and a lot of people have been talking bad about you because of this. I'm going to remove that. I'm going to remove that weapon that they use. I'm going to remove all of that because what I'm here to show is that I am with you. That's the biggest message that Jesus had. We always focus on the, the, the healing part, but the true healing part is not the physical thing. It's not the removal of something. It's the welcoming into the kingdom of heaven. That is the true miracle. Jesus mentions in this thing about uh, uh, the plundering. You can't plunder a person's house until you uh, tie up the strong man. Well, this is what he's saying here is this has already been done. The strong man, the evil one, has been tied up already. I'm here, and this is what's happening. But those naysayers, you know, those religious leaders, they're over there saying, well, it, it, he can only be doing that uh, through Beelzebul. Uh, sometimes it's pronounced Beelzebul, sometimes it's pronounced Beelzebub. Uh, the only thing that you can do is you, you have to, when you say it, you have to do it with a southern evangelical accent. So that's, you know, you have to go Beelzebul, you know, and you got to do it that way. And at the time, this was, uh, there, there, there's a definite name and there's an identity to this and all this stuff, but at the time that Jesus is, they're talking to him, it's a catch-all it is a slang for uh, Satan, the devil. It's a, it's a slang for that. Uh, and so they're basically, what they're saying is that the only way that he has these powers is because he's working for, for the devil. And that's where Jesus says, now, let's stop and look at this just for a second here. Because you say, how would you, you describe the devil as, as evil? You decide, describe uh, the devil as um, the, the, the persecutor, the uh, antagonist, the, uh, the, the challenger. You, you describe the devil as all of these bad things. The, the very fact that this person has an ailment, you're saying that because this person uh, it has an ailment is because of the devil. So how can I cast this out in the name of evil? In other words, how can I do good in the name of bad? It doesn't make sense. It's two opposite things. How can good be something with a uh, true, uh, something of bad? You cannot be good and bad at the same time. You can be good or you can be bad. And that's the image that he's trying to create here. And the, the point that he's trying to prove to us is that the very fact that what he's doing, he's talking about the bigger picture. He's saying, look at what I'm doing here. I'm not just pulling this person out. I'm not just giving them speech. I am actually welcoming them. I am with them. I am on their level. I am cherishing this person. And the very fact that I'm cherishing this person means that I cannot be part of this satanic thing. Because there's good and there's evil, right? There's good, there's bad. And this kind of is a, a nice lesson for us to, to live out our lives. Because I'm going to use the old uh, bumper sticker you know, what would Jesus do? I, I, you know, I, I usually laugh whenever I see that. I always think, well, I don't think he'd be driving that car. But there's the, uh, the what would Jesus do is really is a good way to live our lives. Because if we are doing what Jesus would, would do, then we can really be comforted in knowing that we are being truly disciples of Christ. If we analyze ourselves and honestly say, what I'm not doing, I'm, the things that I'm doing right now are not things that Jesus would do, that's a time to step back and ask, ask yourself, who are you following? Who are, who are you following? Because it's either this or that. This is the point that Jesus is making in this time. And it's the point when he says that, uh, you know, this ends in a kind of a, uh, 
uh, icky way where he says, you know, if you uh, uh, deny the, the Holy Spirit, uh, you, you're not forgiven. We look at that, and that's another one of those scripture things that we've loved to take out, and we love to wad it up, just those words, and we like to throw it at you, you know, and you, you turned against God that way, and God doesn't forgive you because of that thing right there, that, just that line right there. But the bigger picture, he's putting this all into context. He's saying, you are saying that I'm the devil. You are saying that I'm the devil. So how can I, how can you truly see what I'm doing if all you're saying is I'm the devil? How can you see the depth of what I'm doing? Not just the miracle of of healing this person, but the welcoming spirit, all of this stuff. How can you see that if all you're saying is that I'm the devil? If you are denying the very existence of this spiritual thing that's happening here, you can't see that. So he's not saying that uh, you, you get that wrong, you are out of the game forever. What he's saying is just the same as what he's talking about. There's good and there's bad. If you're calling everything bad, you can't see the good. That's the message that he's trying to give here with the Holy Spirit. You, can't, you cannot receive forgiveness if you don't think forgiveness exists. He's trying to put it back at them that your actions are that important. What would Jesus do? Let's, let's go through a, a, a little bit of a, of a list here. And what, I, what we want to do is we want to look at it as, is this a Jesus thing? Would, would Jesus do this? Or if, uh, is, if this is a, uh, uh, something of Beelzebul? Okay? So I, you'll notice this picture up here. A lot of people have... Um, the uh, issues with um, imagery, especially like with Jesus. You know, we, we have over the years made Jesus out to be this, uh, this tall, white, you know, guy with blue eyes and blonde hair. And a lot of people have found that to be kind of offensive, you know, because uh, there is a lot of culture. I per- personally believe that the reason that uh, Jesus is actually never physically described in the Bible is because it's irrelevant. Uh, Jesus is, is uh, representative of, of all people, and that's the message that God's trying to give us there, too. Uh, on the other hand, people have uh, issues when it comes to imagery of Satan or the devil. We always see the blue. So I've chosen angel food cake and uh, deviled eggs. So I hope that we can all get along. So now I'm going to just ask a couple of things here. I'm going to throw some things out. And you just try to think in your head or even say out loud, this is something that, uh, that, that, that Jesus would do or something that uh, the, the, the devil would do, okay? We'll start with an easy one, puppy punching. Would Jesus punch a puppy? You said yes? Oh, <laughs> eggs. Eggs, very good. In all seriousness, I don't think Jesus would punch a puppy. I think that's in the, the, one of the, the extended Gospels, but I don't think that Jesus was a puppy puncher. A breaking wind in elevators. Yes. No. No. Jesus would not break wind in an elevator. And don't try to make a loophole. We're always trying to find loopholes. If you break wind in an empty elevator, d- that doesn't count because it's, that door still opens to somebody. And so you cannot do that either. I'm looking right at you, Dennis. Jesus would be saying, okay, so we're having a little argument here. He says what? He would have manners, yes. Yes, there is something that I'm not sure you're aware of holding it. But you, 
let's, let's, try, let's try this one, not caring for other people. What is the, what is the uh, of the things that we know about Christ? Does Christ care for people? Is that, don't you, wouldn't you say that that's fair to say that that is a personality trait of Jesus? The very fact of what he's doing in this scripture lesson right here of reaching out to somebody, it, he, he doesn't, doesn't know this person. He doesn't, he doesn't make anything conditional. He sees a person in need. He cares for them. Just the blindness of that. You know, there's, you, we talked about that, that uh, there's no description, physical description of Jesus in the Bible. Did you notice that in a lot of the times in the people that he heals, there's no real description? It's because it's irrelevant. That's again, when there's an absence of something, there's usually a reason for it. It's irrelevant. This person, we don't care about his status. We don't care if it's a he or a she. We don't care how they identify themselves at all. We don't care of what their nationality is. We don't care of anything like this. This is a person in need, and Jesus shows care for them. So we know that if we're doing that, we're on the Jesus side, right? Not the, the Beals of all side in the elevator. Not respecting other people. Respect is something that I really truly believe is a trait of Christ. Because what Christ did is that he, not only did he talk to people, he listened to people. He met them where they were. When some religious leader came in the dark of night because they were afraid that the other religious leaders would see him, but they really just wanted to talk to Jesus, and they came in, Jesus did not meet them at the door and say, you're on that side, screw you. He actually said, come and listen, and I'll talk to you, and I'll meet you here, and I'll respect you. And that's something that maybe we could learn a little bit more about. We, we love to, to say respect each other, but we... We don't. We often don't, especially if they disagree with us. Putting others down. This is something that uh, I'm not sure if you can go online on any social media platform or even any news station these days. These days. I sound like I'm older than you. But I'm not sure that you can without seeing somebody be put down. It's our way of winning an argument these days. It's our way of being uh, right. We, we don't even talk about the issues anymore. We just put them down. They're an idiot. They're stupid. They're, 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 they're less than. They're, they're wrong. We, we don't have that communication anymore. And Jesus would have those debates. He would argue. He would uh, you know, have these uh, debates that would get heated sometimes. But I think as Christians, the thing that we have learned from Christ is that we do not put somebody down, telling others that they are worthless. We do this a lot. In many ways, if we don't do it verbally, a lot of times we do it with our actions. We judge people by who they are. The minute we meet somebody anymore, it's, uh, all right, what side are you on? Who did you vote for in the last four or five years? Because that'll, um, that'll determine my worth to you. Who are you? What do you do for a living? What, what's your income status? 
are you on the same level as me? Or do I just not even give you my time of day? We've done this before. If you've ever worked in, in uh, the uh, service industry, I think everybody should. If you, if you haven't worked fast food, uh, take a month and do it. Because you will understand what it's like to be treated uh, like you are, your worth doesn't matter. And we have people in our world that all they want is to have their worth acknowledged. And by the very act that they even say, I am worthy, we say, well, yeah, everybody is. And yet we treat those people terribly. I don't think that Jesus would ever make anybody feel that they were worthless. His actions don't show it. He would drop everything that he was doing when somebody came up to him and said, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He never said, yeah, I know, you're a sinner. Get out of here. We're going to Runza. He would stop. And he would share that that moment, that person was the most important person to Jesus. Does that give you worth? Hating others. Jesus loved to say, love your enemies. Because your enemies are the things that we love to hate. Isn't it exhausting? Don't we have way too many enemies? I don't have an, uh, I, I mean, it's not like, you know, I always thought that one day I would achieve arch enemy. You know, like Superman had Lex Luthor and, uh, you know. Today, it's just like anybody that is different or doesn't agree with you is now an enemy. Our category of enemy has expanded throughout the years. It could be the, 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 the political party that you are. It could be the, the, the way that you identify yourself. It could be who you love. It could be the way that you dress. It could be the color of your skin. We call ourselves Christians while touting hatred for another person. Is that a house divided? Because guess what? What we're saying doesn't match what Jesus is. What would Jesus do? Jesus wouldn't hate. He didn't. He just didn't. We'd love to say that, well, yeah, but he didn't, he didn't go for that. He didn't like those people. All I know is that Jesus was beaten severely, hung on a cross, and while he was there, said, forgive him. That was a, that's, a, that's a time in your life that you could actually spew some hate, don't you think? I hate you guys for doing this. These nails hurt. Boo you. But he didn't. He also didn't say forgive them, but not them. He loved. Are we doing that? Because if we're not, that's a house divided against itself. Any of these things. If we want to be on the message of Christ, we've got to care for other people. 
We've got to respect other people. We, we can lift each other up. We have to appreciate others. We have to love each other. Because when we're not, the house divided against itself. And Jesus says, a house divided against itself cannot stand because you are constantly at war with one another. And when you're constantly at war with one another, you are not feeding the Christian in you. You are feeding the Beelzebul. That's what it's all about. That, that, that hatred, that, that argument, that wanting to win, that wanting to have power over somebody, that wanting to push people down, that wanting to make fun of people that are less than you, that's not the message of Christ. And if you were doing that, you are a house divided. We're seeing it in our world today. We have been fighting one side against the other for years. Has it ever worked we have seen war after war. We have seen argument after argument. We have seen put down after put down. Has it ever solved anything? That's the message Jesus is telling us in this story 2,000 years ago. He's saying, this won't work. This will not solve it. The thing that will is love. He's saying, look at what I'm doing. Look at what I'm doing. You can't make fun of me. You can't call me Satan. You... You can't give this hatred because what's happening here is something holy. It is the love of God for a single person here. It is the love and cherishing from Jesus Christ to a living being. If you want to be in the house of God, not divided, you got to do that. And one of the hardest things is when we do it to ourselves. We talk so much about loving our neighbor. But when we're not loving ourselves, this, this counts this way too. We have to care for ourselves. We have to respect ourselves. We have to lift ourselves up. We have to appreciate. We have to love. So many times we, we, we talk about loving our neighbor, and some of the people have the best intentions. They want to love each other, but when they look in the mirror, they hate who they see. They love to tell ourselves, as Christians, we love to say, I'm nothing. Jesus is everything. When we do that, we are house divided. Because the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Guess what? That means us. When Jesus drops everything that he's doing to meet with somebody, that means he loves them. If we don't love ourselves, we're denying that. And that's the message that Jesus was saying about if you don't believe in the Holy Spirit, you won't be forgiven. Because what he's saying is if you don't see that, if you don't accept that, I can't reach you. Because every single one of us as human beings, because God loves us, has the power to do this. We have the power to turn our back on everything that God gives us. Jesus is saying, don't do that because that's a house divided against itself. And before we even talk to our neighbor, we can be a house divided against ourselves if we don't like who we are. Christ loves us. 
we must love ourselves. That's why it's in the mission statement of Neighbors Church. Love God, love yourself, love your neighbor. Because we believe that uh, to love God, we learn that this, this being, this, this the humongous thing, whatever you want to call it, the, the image of God, the, the being of God, Christ, that that is something that we can rely on. But we also believe that it is very, very hard to accept any kind of love from God or neighbor if we don't love ourselves. If you hate yourself, how do you see the world? If you truly hate who you are, how are you going to see the good in your neighbor? What, technically, if we, if we want to go psychologically, if you hate yourself, what you end up doing is you go outside and you become defensive. And so you see all the things wrong with the rest of the world because you see them as a threat, because you, deep inside you fear them, because you think that they're better than you are, because you hate who you are. So you go on this thinking everybody is a caged animal out to get you. I've got to defend myself. I'm nothing. But if you love who you are, you're a little bit more tolerable of other people. You see the advantages of other people. You don't see each other as a threat. You see the joy in other people, even their differences. You can disagree and still love each other. That's a, a house that is whole. When there's love in the house, the house is whole. Love for God, love yourself, love your neighbor. Anything other than that is a house divided. And it won't stand. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, help us to understand fully. We are, we are, we are blinded and we have all these detours of, of, of ways to solve problems, of, of doing things in argument and doing things in hatred and hating and... Help us to clear the field and take a moment to see what you were doing when you healed that person. In that moment, it was just about love. Help us to see that in our world. Help us to see that in our neighbor. Help us to see that in ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.